Grain Brain by David Perlmutter. One sentence summary. Grain Brain takes a look at the impact carbohydrates have on the structure and development of your brain. Arriving at the conclusion that a diet high in fat, low in carbs and especially sugar combined with fasting, lots of activity and more sleep could provide you with a much higher quality of life. My favorite quote from the author is The simple act of moving your body will do more for your brain than any riddle, math equation, mystery book or even thinking itself. David Perlmutter I hate 90% of all diet books. Any diet which categorically eliminates any category of foods or even whole nutrient groups is imbalanced and doomed to fail, if you ask me. It just doesn't work. You see, the mistake most diet books make is assuming they can deliver a diet that works for everyone and making conclusions about what must be good solely based on what's bad. This book does this too, so it wasn't off to a good start with me. But I have to admit that in the end, David Perlmutter turns it around by branching out, going beyond diets and providing a full picture of what makes humans healthy or ill. Omitting the fact that the book states that fruit juice is as bad as soda for your health and that some of its hypotheses are flawed in the way that they can never be proven, this actually made a few good points. Here are three lessons from Grain Brain to help you make healthier decisions. 1. Cholesterol isn't unhealthy because your body regulates it, depending on your intake. 2. With the right diet, your body can possibly create more neurons, which makes you smarter. 3. Sleep has a huge impact on leptin levels, which in turn control your hunger. No grain, no gain. Is that actually true? Let's see if we can find out. Grain Brain. Lesson 1. Your body regulates your cholesterol depending on your intake, so cholesterol itself isn't the problem. This answers the question, is high cholesterol really bad? My grandma used to say, don't eat more than one egg per day. It's bad for your cholesterol, when I was a kid. I distinctly remember having one boiled egg every Sunday morning for breakfast, and that was it. High cholesterol had been linked to lots of incidents of heart diseases for decades, but as it turns out, cholesterol isn't the problem. It's the kinds of cholesterol and the ratio. You have two types of cholesterol in your body. They're called LDL and HDL. LDL stands for low-density lipoprotein, which, while HDL equates to high-density lipoprotein. You can remember it by thinking of the L as low-quality and the H as high-quality, because LDL is the bad kind of cholesterol, while HDL is the good cholesterol. The total number of these two values combined, plus 20% of your triglycerides, which is a type of fat in your bloodstream, was always to be kept below 200 to avoid increased risk of heart disease. Actually, doctors now know that the ratio of HDL compared to your total is more important. So dividing your total cholesterol, say 150, by your HDL, say 50, should never yield a number that's higher than 5, and ideally stay at 3.5 or below. However, eating lots of eggs, cheese or butter won't hurt you in this regard. Only eating low-quality eggs, cheese and butter will, because of the other health-threatening ingredients they contain. Your body regulates your cholesterol based on how much you take in with your food. If you eat 5 eggs every day, your body simply produces less. Only if you completely overload or lack cholesterol will your body try to dial back or overcompensate. And that's what causes problems. If our ancestors survived on a diet that was 70% fats, 
Chances are, so can we. Grain Brain Lesson 2 You might get smarter by eating right because it could allow your brain to create more neurons. This answers the question, can a good diet make us smarter? This is a classic example of a book blowing the results of a study out of proportion. When your brain creates new neurons, this process is called neurogenesis. An important part of this process is BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor protein. The book states that by eating less, you can increase the amount of BDNF in your brain and therefore get it to create more neurons. There are currently no studies out there that prove this effect in humans. So far, this has only been observed in diabetic mice and other animals, but not in humans. The study the book quotes is indeed one about calorie restriction in elderly people, but this is confirmed to only positively impact memory, not BDNF. What does that mean? There's a chance that with the right diet, if you find it, you could get your brain to create more of those precious neurons. But so far, we don't know. Grain Brain Lesson 3. How much you sleep affects your leptin levels, which in turn control your hunger. This answers the question, how does sleep affect hunger? Here's something we know for sure makes your life better. Sleep more. A lack of sleep impacts the functionality of up to 711 of your genes, including the ones in charge of stress, inflammation, your metabolism, and immune system. Take leptin, for example, which regulates your body's inflammation response to potential dangers. The level of this hormone influences how hungry you are and if you crave carbs. When leptin drops by 20%, your appetite and craving for carbs goes up by 24%. What causes leptin to drop? Sleep deprivation. The less you sleep, the hungrier you'll be, and the more sugary foods you'll crave to make up for the lack of energy, and the harder it'll be to resist. Sleep is also the only thing that impacts leptin levels. There aren't any supplements for it. You see, it's all connected, and there's no way to change your diet without impacting other things, and vice versa. Don't live a half-healthy life. So go get some rest and you will see your hunger will take care of itself. My personal takeaways from Grain Brain for 2017. Okay, as you can already tell from me reading out and the intro I wrote and everything, I'm very skeptical about this book, but that's because I'm very skeptical about diet books in general. Because from what I've seen... A ton of the studies are blown out of proportion, which I'll get back into in, when we circle back to lesson two. A ton of the studies are blown out of proportion. Um, of course, everyone writing a book like this promotes the diet they want. Uh, they've either seen good results with their patients with or the diet they want to be the prelim, uh, prevalent one. Like T. Colin Campbell, who wrote the China study, and they did a big study, arguably, but how they, of course, promoted a vegan or plant-based diet because that's like what they found in their studies, and that's what they wanted to be the result, right? So there's obviously bias in all these books. Um, another thing is that again, everything is connected. So diet, exercise, sleep health, happiness, it's all connected and interrelated. You can't untangle this shit. So it's very, very hard to make predictions based on food alone. Um, and another reason why I'm skeptical of this stuff is that 
what if I see different results? Like, it's different for everybody. There are all these weird examples of people eating nothing but pizza and having awesome blood values or people eating ice, uh, ice bear flesh for like three years in Antarctica and they also have awesome, uh, they are very healthy and blah, blah, blah. I think the human body is much more capable of adapting to stuff than we than we believe it to be right so we don't give ourselves enough credit in terms of how how good we can adapt to things um and i've seen it with myself which i will get into later again so let's run through the points again okay first of all the cholesterol one yes this was huge for me again as a kid i had one egg a week sunday was boiled egg day (laughs) there was nothing else it was like don't eat too many eggs don't eat too many eggs And I got my cholesterol checked, I think, once or so. Because when you're young, you don't have it checked that often. Uh, But for some tests or when I did something else, I had it checked too. And it came out great. It came out at 2 point something. So the ratio of HDL, uh, of sorry, total cholesterol to HDL. And it was something 2 point. Yeah, it was below 3. It was good. Um, And so interesting, right? I mean, your body regulates it. Okay, so you eat 10 eggs. Your body your body produces less cholesterol you eat one egg or no eggs your body produces more very interesting it makes the whole just eat one egg per day um, rule obsolete and i think it goes like that with a lot of other things right not just cholesterol um it depends on how much you take in or not and not necessarily on what that there's a general rule for how much is healthy because your body uh, and the body of a 100 100 pound woman is a lot different than the body of a 200 pound man um it's all very very personal yeah the study i i went a little nuts there i mean uh i saw that and i was like yeah really like is this true that sounds kind of sketchy and i looked into it and i linked the study even i found the study that the book quotes and i read the thing and i checked and i was like man like that's a ripoff right because he says Something like, yeah, yeah, just like uh, do, I think, do fasting because, yeah, it was calorie restriction. It's like do fasting and fasting will induce neurogenesis and you will have this BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor protein in your brain and you will get smarter. And I was like, man, like this, you can't do stuff like that. It's not cool, bro. Um, Because like it's mice right mice are not humans and like diabetic mice are a whole other thing than humans and animals in general so you can't just say like uh, yes there might be something it's i just did a summary for a book yeah you should probably listen to that one next the signal and the noise by nate silver it's about statistics and how we often screw up statistics and how predictions are often wrong because these statistics in these studies they're always like there is an interval between Right, so that they measure an effect, and it's like between two and four percent, and there's a seventy percent chance that the value is in that interval interval between two and four percent, and it's a totally different thing than saying the value is three percent, and that's a fixed number. Right, it's totally different. Statistical research usually yields only estimates of intervals and stuff like that, not definite results. So be careful, and for every study someone quotes in your face, demand that you get the actual link and look for the study try to find it and if you can't find it it's not there and lastly sleep uh in this one i'm advocating sleeping more this year i started or like when i started since i started studying i'm actually sleeping less and i'm still okay which is another fascinating thing to me last year i thought if i get less than if i got anywhere less than six hours of sleep i was 
basically dead, right? Just because I thought I would I would not function, I would not be able to function. Now I've had weeks where I've had like five hours of steep three days in a row and I function fine, right? So of course not perfect, but fine. Um, so this was also fascinating to me. Does it make sense that when I'm uh, lack of sleep makes me hungry? 100%. If I go out clubbing and if I'm up all night, I will get hungry again at one point. Uh, no sleep, I get hungrier, I want more carbs and so on. That makes sense. So, but what I've also noticed is that, uh, and this is actually where I want to circle back to the personal thing about diets, is when I eat carbs at night, I wake up in the morning and I'm super hungry. So if I have pasta at night, I wake up in the morning, I'm super hungry. That makes sense because of blood sugar spike and everything overnight. Um, but it might be different for you. So when I don't eat carbs, when I eat protein, something like just say yogurt or like just something with meat or salad or something like that, I can sleep through the night and I wake up and I'm not hungry. And it takes two to three hours before I get hungry in the morning. Interesting, huh? And that has nothing to do so far with the amount I sleep. And that goes into that too. So it's all interconnected. Again, you can't untangle this stuff. And I highly encourage you to figure it out for yourself what works for you. Because for me, what I find out, I do fine on a lot of carbs. I love carbs. I love pasta. I love rice. I love bread. I could, I'm like a little Italian guy because I could eat pizza a ton of times, bruschetta, uh, salad, fish, uh, spaghetti, pasta. Man, like I love Italian food. Uh, I love coffee too, like espresso uh, and these like cold cuts, cheese and meat and, and uh, ham and salami and all that kind of stuff. I love all that stuff. I could thrive on a um, Mediterranean diet, but that's just me, right? So you have to find out what works for you. Don't believe in books. Use these books to assemble your own diet, not to hopefully find one diet from one book. All right, enough rambling, enough ranting. Uh, I hope you learned something from this book. I'm pretty sure you did. Uh, I hope you will make up your own mind and I will see you on the next summary.